Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. Imagine this scenario. There's a gaping hole in your organization. The entire structure is about to collapse in upon itself. And the leadership team posts a job description designed to bring wholeness and peace to the organization. Who is it that you are looking for? You ever been in that situation? Your business or, or your school or your church is about to die and you need to find someone to write the ship. So what do you do? Maybe you go to LinkedIn, maybe you go to monster.com, maybe you hire a headhunter. Whatever you choose to do, you find yourself looking over some number of resumes, praying that one of those resumes will be a perfect match with the job description you have posted. I, I was researching job descriptions this week and ran across a, a few simple classics. Here are my favorite ones. Here's a job description for an airline pilot. My job is to spend most of the day looking out the window. You know, that, that also appears to be the job description of my two cats. That's what they do as well. Uh, here's, here's another one, a, a consultant. Show up even though nobody called me, get paid for an answer they already knew to a question they never asked. It's pretty good work if you can get it. Uh, here's another pretty good one. Go to strange people's houses and take their money. That's a pizza delivery person. And another. Show people how beautiful the earth would be without them. It's a nature photographer. Now, one more. Now, I have great friends who are incredible security officers, but if I were one, uh, this would be my job description. Run away and call the police. That's what, that's what I would do. Now, in the book of Isaiah, the people of Israel are in a horrible spot, and they need something much more than a security officer. You see, it's a very, very dark time. Isaiah is a prophet. And if you know anything about prophets in the Old Testament, you know that they had tough things to say to people. They were God's mouthpiece. And in Isaiah, God was super ticked off. Isaiah 6. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to my people? Who will go? And Isaiah said, Lord, I'll go. Send me. And he said, yes, go, but tell my people this. Though you hear my words repeatedly, you won't understand them. Though you watch and watch as I perform my miracles, still you won't know what they mean. Dull their understanding, close their ears, shut their eyes. I don't want them to see or to hear or to understand or to turn to me to heal them. Then I said, Lord, how long would it be before they're ready to listen? And he replied, not until their cities are destroyed without a person left. The whole country is an utter wasteland and they are all taken away as slaves to other countries far away and all the land of Israel lies deserted. Wow. Sorry, that's not a very Christmassy passage today. Let me try one more. Isaiah 39. Then Isaiah said to him, listen to this message from the Lord Almighty. The time is coming when everything you have, 
all the treasures stored up by your fathers will be carried off to Babylon, nothing will be left, and some of your own sons will become slaves, yes, eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The book of Isaiah is filled with painful accounts of Israel's sin and Israel's rebellion and warnings of their coming judgment. But along with all that, Isaiah presents a profile of hope, a coming Messiah. You see, the book of Isaiah is a real Advent book. It's a book of anticipation. In all its pain and calamity, it's a book of hidden hope. It's God saying, I'm coming. Here's a David Porter Isaac Hayes song that was a huge hit for Sam and Dave here in Memphis in 1966. Anybody know what that song was? Hold on, I'm coming. That's it. In fact, that's Isaiah. Hold on, I'm coming. And in the hopeful sections of the book, Isaiah tells us several things. Here's the first. The first thing is God will work a miracle. God will work a miracle. In Isaiah 7, 14, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. 700 years, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, in the middle of chaos, God tells Isaiah that a miracle is coming. God is telling his people, you can expect a deliverance. My, my daughter Lindsay is expecting, January 7th is the due date. We are over the moon about this little one. And the anticipation is building, right? And Isaiah, God is telling his people that he is gonna do something special. Something so special that you're gonna name this child Emmanuel, God with us. But the prophet goes on to say this. God's miracle child will grow up to suffer for his people. Check out this passage in Isaiah 53. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You see, the, the miracle that you are anticipating will suffer so that you can be healed. He will take up your pain so that you no longer have to bear it. But he will take up your pain at a high price. You see, Isaiah not only anticipates Christmas, but he anticipates Good Friday. By his wounds, we are healed. And through it all, God brings light into our darkness. This next passage from Isaiah is probably the most familiar to us this Advent season. Isaiah 9, 6, for 
Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So you see, right in the middle of pronouncements of God's frustration and judgment of his people, Isaiah describes the great reversal for his rebellious people. Light will come into their darkness. Have you ever had this said to you? Wait till your father gets home. Wait till your father gets home. What was your mom saying? She's saying that because of all you've done today, when your father gets home, he's gonna wear your young behind out. You're gonna be sorry you ever clowned. That's what Isaiah had been saying all along. Just wait till your father gets home. When mom said that to me, I spent the rest of the day in regret and fear. Regret for what I had done and fear for what dad might do. This passage we just read is dad coming home and bringing with him not wrath and judgment, but a hero. A hero who will make everything good. Who is this, this glorious and powerful hero who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Well, Isaiah tells us. I mean, we read his description of the character of the Savior. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. Literally, wonder of a counselor. And the word wonderful means extraordinary, beyond the normal capacity to perform. In other words, the counsel of this God, man, hero transcends human wisdom. He doesn't need or want my counsel or anybody else's. Paul talks about it in Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor, Paul asked. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Mighty God, this hero is so powerful that he can absorb all the evil thrown at him until there's none left to throw. Isaiah 46 says this, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And let me tell you this, in this frustrating world where I'm very prone to grow weak and tired, I need a mighty God. I need a mighty God who will be awake all night while I try to recuperate in my sleep. I need a champion who is strong enough to keep his word. I need a savior who is mighty enough to, to break the power of sin in my life. 
Call him wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father. Everlasting father. Some translate this title as father forever. This child will be a father to me in the best of ways. Loving, self-sacrificing, always looking out for my best. The psalmist writes in Psalm 103, as a father, as a father, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. I, I had a good dad. Seeing God as father to me has never been a problem. But I know that's not true for all of us. For some of us, especially this time of year, we, we reflect upon or we spend time with a father who has disappointed us, even hurt us. And so God the Father is not a particularly good image for some of us. That's why having a heavenly father is so vitally important. Because as good as my father was, as much as he loved me, he wasn't perfect. And he couldn't have loved me as much as my heavenly father loves me. Those of us who have been rejected by our earthly father, those of us who have lost our father, those of us who have never known our father, take heart this Advent. Your hidden hope is that you have an everlasting father. You are not fatherless. You never have been. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This hero brings peace. And Paul makes sure we know exactly who he is in Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Isaiah saw him coming, the one who would be God's answer for broken people like you and like me. He saw Jesus, the wonderful counselor who came with wisdom and with a perfect plan. He anticipated Jesus who would come as the mighty God, who would accomplish all his purposes. He predicted the everlasting Father who loves us endlessly. He saw Jesus as the Prince of Peace who reconciles us while we're still his enemies. Because see, when it's all said and done, God's plan is a per person. God's plan is a person. God knew what we needed. He knew we needed a redeemer and that that redeemer could best speak to us as a person, a, a sojourner on this planet, like all of us and like none of us. And so friends, I give to you, the world's final and greatest king, the king to end all kings, whose kingdom and peace will never stop expanding. I give you the rescuer we all need. I give you the leader that we all long to follow. I give you the answer to the heart's great questions. I give you Jesus our hidden hope. Let's pray together. Father God, for your grace, for your mercy, and for the gift of this 
Unbelievable counselor, unbelievable mighty God. Unbelievable everlasting Father, unbelievable ever Prince of Peace, we, we thank you. And we are humbled by your giving spirit. And so this season, we remember that and we think what that might mean in our lives and who we might be because of that great gift. We celebrate you and we celebrate that gift and we pray in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openheisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.